0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Humor and Mistakes Podcast, coming to you weekly at 103.5 WOMCOM Radio Station. This week, we're here with Chad Ward. Hello, Chad. Hi. Uh, On this podcast, we discuss life, laughter, and various mistakes people have made uh, to encourage you and let you know that mistakes happen, but it's Okay. So Chad, you you've made st- mistakes, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I've made a lot of them.
0: Okay. Uh so let's let's start out with the talking and learning a little bit about you. Like who is Chad Ward? Give me your elevator pitch.
1: Uh, I am a writer. Okay. I'm 50. Okay. I've been married for 17. You don't look it, but. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um been married to my current wife for seventeen years. When people ask how long you've been married, I have to say this time or cumulative. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, they both had experience, though. So. Yeah. Um, four published books, uh, three more on the way this year. Okay, four. Uh, yeah. Sweet.
0: Yeah. Like a, like a uh, Stephen King's of Florida oh, oh please! <laughs>
1: Don't I wish?
0: Uh, okay. Um, so uh, so. Just start out, like, where did you start out?
1: Um, I have always been a writer. Okay. Um, ever since I learned how to read, I knew I wanted to write. Really? Yeah. And when I got out of college with an English degree, and everybody can laugh now, <laughs> um, <coughs> I realized that, you know, writing the great American novel, um, well, the dental plan sucks. <laughs> um You're not going to get real far doing that. So I went into corporate public relations, governmental affairs. You need your teeth. Yeah, you do. Um, And so I went into corporate public relations and governmental affairs and did that for 17 or 18 years while continuing to write magazine magazine articles and short stories and things like that. And then in about 2000, I went freelance, um, started writing – articles for myself um writing books um and just kind of continued on from there
0: okay so you said you knew as a kid that you wanted to be a writer like when was uh when was that like five six Uh,
1: as soon as i learned to read
0: okay yeah it's one of the the first book you read you
1: know, I don't remember, but I do remember one key book, and this is going to sound um, notoriously dorky. Can
0: I guess it? Sure. A Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe.
1: Actually, it was The Hobbit. Oh, but, really? Which your clothes? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I remember bringing it home from the library, and I had this big, horrible, now I realize, orange beanbag chair. And I did not move for two days. <laughs> really? I mean, yeah, my mom had to bring me sandwiches because uh, I would not get up except to go to the bathroom. And that even was like, do I really have to? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was a reader as a kid, too. I feel like as a parent, sometimes like it, it, it would probably be hard to be like, hey, you should probably go do something else. But your kid is reading. Yep. Like, like, where do you draw the line? I'm like, hey, you shouldn't read so much. Like, yeah.
1: Uh, well, that was the fun thing with my kids um, which appeared in my life later Uh, when my wife and I got married uh, they were 6 and 11 and they read but not much and so I turned it into my mission in life to turn them into readers (laughs) and so I had to find books for them and so with Jack, my youngest who is now 23, uh, it was the Captain Underpants series. Oh,
0: that'll do it. I mean, as long as you
1: get fart jokes in there, you you've nailed hey, the situation. Slipping back
0: and forth to see the action. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Um and then with Sarah, my 11-year-old, I actually got advanced copies of the Harry Potter books.
0: Really? Yeah. You know J.K. Rowling? No.
1: Just being a writer, you occasionally Find yourself on these lists where you get stuff. Okay, yeah, you could
0: have sold those. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I my daughter my... <laughs> has
1: a complete series of first edition Harry Potter oh, books.
0: I respect it, but you know that's college tuition right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will tell you um, when I read the I read them the books. Yeah, um, and I did all the voices.
0: Oh. I love readers like you.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I had a professor in college, a guy named Jim Kilgo. Okay. Um, and he was my writing coach. And we would go over to his house and drink his terrible, terrible homemade wine. And um, he would read us the Joel Chandler Harris Brer Rabbit books, and he'd do all the voices. And that just kind of inspired me. So when I read to my own kids, I did the voices.
0: Wait, you were an adult. Yeah, and he so and he would, as another adult, would read to you with, with voices. Yeah, wow. <laughs> was, I mean, I, I I like it. I it, just I would just be weirded out at first, and then I'm like, okay.
1: No, he was an amazing guy. <laughs> really? I miss him terribly. But the greatest compliment I ever received um, was when I took my kids to the first Harry Potter movie, and Hagrid is voiced by Robbie Coltrane, who is this incredible. Scottish actor and I had done Hagrid as Scottish yeah I think they mention it somewhere in the book and I okay I might tear up here Um,
0: Uh, we we do emotions on this podcast
1: when we walked out of the theater my daughter took my hand and said I liked your Hagrid better
0: Wow you you're out here outperforming Scottish actors voice-wise
1: well, she's my daughter. Hey. Well, I like it. Yeah. Like it.
0: That's respect, man. That's respect. You got to do you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you you're the first person to get emotional on the podcast. I like it. This is a hallmark for the Mick Real show. I appreciate it. Um so then you could so uh, we got to college and you started writing from college. What happened from there? Like uh you said that you freelance for a bit. How did that work out?
1: Um pretty well. Um like I said, I did corporate PR and governmental affairs for about eighteen years. Um, Wait, and you,
0: you work for the government?
1: No, uh, I handled strange problems for large companies. Okay, so uh, you're
0: a, you're a cover-up artist?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for example, I handled two Superfund sites, which, if I do- did my job properly, you've never heard of. <laughs>
0: really.
1: Um, uh. Yeah, you ever seen Scandal? Yeah, she, she's an amateur. Really?
0: <laughs> okay, okay. So that's, that's so that stuff is true though. Something happens and they they call you to yeah. clean it up.
1: Yeah, like I said, um, if you called my agency, you were in trouble.
0: Do if, you if do you still do me. that line of work though? Like
1: no, no, like, I don't do that anymore.
0: Like if a, a friend or someone whose podcast you were on needed something covered up, <laughs> <laughs> could you help a brother out?
1: I could help a brother out. You bet.
0: <laughs> Okay, so um, not. I don't want to get you in trouble or anything, but you have something that you've uh, uh, pr'd away, or
1: um, no. But to get back to the theme of mistakes, <laughs> this is where I realized I was not the person I wanted to be. Okay, um, I was running a, uh, let's just say, political campaign. It's not to name names. Fair enough, <clears throat> and. Our opponent was kind of a sleazebag, and so I hired a private detective to follow him around, and I got pictures. And I went back to my team and said, okay, I'm going to go to this guy and let him know that if he doesn't drop out of the race, I'm going to present these pictures to his wife and kids. This
0: is like House of Cards, dog.
1: And they all looked at me in horror, and that's when I realized I had become something I did not want to be.
0: That is so far from a writer and like every like I when I vision writers, I vision like hippies and like love everything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. Don't I wish.
0: <laughs> but that was it. Like you looked in the mirror and you're like, something has to change. Yeah. So what did you do from there? Like
1: Um I went to work for an advertising agency. I wrote brochures for sprinkler companies and lawnmowers. Um just kind of mundane crap okay. and then um, yeah it's about 2000 I decided that I really needed to just write for myself and my wife had a really good job and decent health care <laughs> which is really important it for is. a writer because we don't have it um, and she said go for it and so I quit
0: shout out to supportive wives yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, she's been pretty wonderful.
0: Um so so I want to go back to cuz I feel like a lot of people reach that point in their lives when they're like I'm not happy with what I'm doing or I'm not liking the the path that I'm on. Um so what was that what was that journey for you realizing it and then like did you make a plan or did you go did you quit that day?
1: Or? I did not quit that day. Um and there was no plan. Um I ended up moving from and and this is convoluted and weird, moving from South Carolina to Kansas. um, Don't go, by the way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't recommend it. Made some very good friends there, but Kansas is not where you want to live. But I moved there with a partner, girlfriend. Okay. um, And that's where I ended up. Well, that relationship ended, and that's where I ended up meeting my wife. Okay.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. So y'all met in Kansas? Yeah. Okay. Well, see, Kansas is not so bad then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I will
1: tell you that at one point uh, for our anniversary, my wife got me a uh, class at a cooking school in Colorado. Okay. And, because you know I cook. Yes. And... So I drove through western Kansas to Colorado, and I will tell you that I could have put the cruise control on, reclined my seat, fallen asleep, (laughs) woken up three hours later and still been dead center in my lane.
0: As long as the car went straight. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's Kansas. Wow.
0: I've never been. I just know that that's where Dorothy is from. Yeah. And I'm not trying to walk any gold. Golden uh, Road, so I'm good. Yeah. That story scared me.
1: Actually, my wife and I were having that conversation the other day when we met, and this is no joke. Um, (coughs) We've always talked about the universe opened up, and unfortunately, it doesn't provide you with a golden road. It just opens a door, and then you have to figure it out from there.
0: Are you dropping gems on my radio podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you dropping knowledge? That might be the quotable of it. Like uh, when you're when you're putting them out, you get to put a quote. I might put that. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you dropping knowledge? Uh, so uh, speaking on that, you talk about that a little bit like you're you not you having to figure it out like what's that like because everyone you'll hear people talk about oh well i had to figure it out but you don't really hear them talk about like what does that mean like the nervousness the
1: yeah you think when you meet the one that everything's just going to be unicorns and rainbows from there on out
0: those those romantic movies man they get you
1: yeah and it's not like that it's work and it's two people who love each other very much but don't necessarily always have the exact same goals or the exact same outlook on life and yeah you have to talk these things through
0: talk communication is key
1: like i said that's why we had this conversation yeah the universe opened up but it didn't give us a didn't give us a clear path so
0: did she notice that you wanted to do something different? Like, is that, she came to you and was like, it's cool, okay? Yeah, she did. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So find someone that knows you.
1: Uh, yeah, a little too well,
0: actually. <laughs> uh, That must be tough, though, going to work every day and doing something you don't like.
1: It is. um, And that's one of the wonderful and terrible things about being a freelance writer, is that My wife goes into work every day. She grinds out her, you know, eight to five. And when I'm not selling books, she carries the lion's share of the financial burden. I get to go out and do crazy crap and sometimes get paid for it. And that's pretty great. But it also means that I have to go up and sit my butt down in my chair every day and figure out how to – make my end of it work
0: just to think about that like you but you do your part though right you you put in the work every day like
1: it doesn't always work out i mean when i sell a book i get paid
0: yeah
1: um sometimes you can work six months on a book and uh, there was one time i spent a year and a half on a book uh sent it into my publisher my editor had moved and Got a new editor, and she said, mm, "We don't like this very much." <laughs> really? So I lost a year and a half of time.
0: That's kind of like comedy, though, man. You'll you'll really love a joke, and then you go out there and present it, and no one laughs, and you're like, "Oh wow!" Oh yeah, Th- this is this is my baby joke. Like, <laughs> this is my
1: this is my love. Yeah, it's a joke grenade. You it's roll a, it out yeah. there and hope, and then nothing happens. Y'all don't know what comedy is. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's how it works sometimes, man. Yeah. You got to tuck your pride in a little bit. Uh, so uh, let's talk about a, a, a mistake that you've made, or we, we touched on it a little bit, but just like a mistake that you thought was going to be really bad at the time.
1: All right. When I was in college, all right, there was a girl named Kathy Kerbo. She was gorgeous. I okay. mean, um, just long, curly black hair, looked like a young Bonnie Raitt. Okay. Monster guitar player. And if there are any guitar players listening, she had an original Les Paul gold top. I mean, the real deal with the trapeze tailpiece and the P90s, and she played like it, a king.
0: Are those stats that a guitar player would know? Like, they're, oh, they're yeah. impressed? Okay. Oh, yeah. that did nothing for me. I was like, okay, she has a guitar. But uh, <laughs> the guitar players would know. like, Oh, yeah. okay,
1: They will know immediately what I'm talking about. And we were friends. We had a couple of classes together, and obviously I had a terrific crush on her and she obviously did not on me so i was just trying to be cool we were friends she'd invite me over every once in a while and we'd play the guitar together why i don't know (laughs) because she was so much better than i was but one evening she invited me over and uh her house was near mine so i just walked carried my guitar uh, I went to school at the University of Georgia, so it was Athens in the fall, and so it was warm enough to walk, Yeah, and we played for a couple hours, and she said, Chad, you want to go get some dinner? I said, well, of course I do, um, and she drove, I tossed, she was going to drive me home, um, because it was really starting to get cold, and she drove, so I tossed my guitar in her car, and it's freezing at this point, and there's a... Spare jacket in the back of the car. And she said, yeah, why don't you just put that on? Because we were going to a place called the taco stand, which only had outdoor seating. Okay. And I'll tell you a little bit about the taco stand because it's fun. Um You know how when you're in a restaurant, the cooks have to wear headwear? Uh, so, like, the guy at the front desk wore one of those World War One German helmets with a big spike out of the top. <laughs> the guy in the back had an Australian slouch hat. Um It's just a weird little place. And if you ordered the beef burrito, they would correct you and say, you mean meat burrito? (laughs) Um, I'm a cook. I had to ask. Um, And they – it was a reasonable explanation. When you call it back to the kitchen, Mm -hmm. bean and beef sound very similar. But given their pricing, I suspect it was a meat burrito (laughs) that it might have been whinnying earlier. Okay. Um, Anyway, so – when it's time to go home, she drives me back to my house. I get out of the car, grab my guitar, and she leans over from the driver's seat and says, Chad, are you forgetting something? And I thought, this is it. This is my moment.
0: You just shot.
1: And so I leaned in and I kissed her. And she said, thank you. Can I have my jacket back? <laughs> Yeah, that was one of those soul-crushing <laughs> moments that you just you don't think you're going to recover from. Did y'all talk about it? After? Yeah, a little bit. Now, I mean, we stayed friends, and it it wasn't weird. But, you know, at that moment, I thought, okay, I'm making my move.
0: Hey, you got to shoot your shot, Chad. That's, <laughs> a, that's what we say in 2017. Shoot your shot. Yeah. You never know until you shoot.
1: Yeah. I bet it's one of those memories that has just, yeah, it's that, one of those where... It it instills caution in you
0: lighter, later later <laughs> in life. Need to ask questions first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see if I'm wearing her jacket first. <laughs> that, that's respect. That's res- what did you learn from that?
1: Don't make assumptions <laughs> and don't tread on friendships. Um, because she was a good friend. Yeah, and just because I had a crush on her didn't mean that the feelings were reciprocated. So, yeah, maybe just take things at face value instead of, you know, assuming that, yeah, I've got a shot here.
0: <laughs> what did you eventually do? Like, did y'all just remain friends? Or we did, did it, yeah. And
1: we, we kept on hanging out and playing each other. Did you just,
0: you just tucked your feelings away, or did they eventually go away? Uh,
1: uh, I hope my wife's not listening. Uh, no, I still have her. <laughs> I mean, she was gorgeous <laughs> and a hell of a lot of fun to be with. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You, you no, know, I just feel like sometimes it's tough to like be friends with someone you have feelings for. So sometimes I'm just like, look, it ain't going. I can't do it. It's not fair to me. You know, yeah. uh, it's too brutal being friends with you. You know, I it's tough. Know. It's tough. I keep pulling out my headset. <laughs> um, any other mistakes that you have that you felt like were monumental in your life?
1: Monumental, um, yes.
0: Other than your house of cards days.
1: Uh, I will tell you the reason I am banned from CBS Television.
0: What, like the actual Bro- channel,
1: broadcast network? Yeah,
0: or Big Brother and all those TV shows. Yep. Okay, I'm excited to hear this.
1: Um, when my first book came out, and there are a lot of stories around the book tour for this one because it was weird, it was really weird, because it was my first book, I would do anything to promote it, and my publisher was not really helping out, so I would go anywhere, I would sign anything, and I I ended up doing a lot of strange things. Um, I did, do you remember Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? No. Televangelists. She was the one with the big hair and the gigantic eyelashes.
0: On, on like, the 700 Club? Or? Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, I did their cooking show.
0: <laughs> um, you cooked for Jesus.
1: I did. I I cooked for Jesus. But at one point, I got a call saying, the CBS early show wants you. And I thought, this is cool. This is wonderful. That was going to be on the premiere early morning show. And uh so they flew me out to New York and I was on the show and this is this is where it gets really surreal. I was on the show with the two guys from ABBA and Neil Patrick Harris.
0: Oh, you met Neil Patrick Harris? I
1: did not meet him. He, hid in the, he had a separate dressing room. Okay. I, I got stuck in the one where they put the uh, crappy guests. Okay. Um, <laughs> But at one point, they wanted B-roll, uh, which is where they just, okay, you know where they have that big outdoor shot?
0: Just like, uh, just have random stuff, basically.
1: Well, it's a big crowd, but they had me out there with this gigantic table and a big cutting board and a bunch of vegetables and about two or 300 people standing around, and I would be cutting up things, and when they went to commercial, you know, that's what they would cut to for a couple of seconds before you know going to the actual commercial and um so i was out there for about half an hour there's like this crowd around and i finally get to meet uh it was meredith rodriguez and uh charlie smith i believe was the the other host um and they were going to come out and we're supposed to do a segment together and um so they come out, and I'm showing them how to like dice vegetables, cut up an onion, and at one point I'm showing them how to roll cut a pepper, and I'll have to show you at some point. Oh, I don't a, know how to do that. It is a very smooth move. If you do this in front of a dinner party, you will look like, you know, Gordon Ramsay. Okay,
0: I know how to cut an onion properly, and that impresses people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so i 'm showing them how to do this, and Meredith Rodriguez is absolutely wonderful. she is spectacular she is she 's got that you know local t v host enthusiasm i 'll try anything yeah, and she 's about to lop her thumb off so i 'm you know desperately trying to no no no, put your hand here, do that there, watch this here and i'm i 'm gesturing, which is not particularly effective for radio um, <laughs> I
0: see your hands I like them.
1: Uh, and she's doing great but I really have to keep an eye on her to make sure that she doesn't bleed on national television and meanwhile Charlie Smith is standing there I think it's Charlie Smith uh, standing there and he's not doing anything
0: being a douche
1: yeah basically <laughs> and I looked over and said "Are you? here's how you do it and he said I'm not doing that that's dangerous <laughs> and at that point I've been standing in front of two or three hundred people, um, cutting up vegetables all morning, waiting for my shot at the big time, and he is killing it. Yeah. And so I just looked at him, and unfortunately, the mics were hotter than I thought they were, <laughs> um, because I thought I said quietly, but it got hmm. caught on air. <laughs> Don't be a freaking weenie. Cut the pepper, <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I hear and commercial, <laughs> and they cut the cut the segment, and the producer came over and said, "Thank you, Mister Ward, for your time." I think we're going to go to Neil Patrick Harris now.
0: <laughs> you could have been the thing that made Neil Patrick. Well, that that segment was like his breaking.
1: Uh, he had won an Emmy, so okay. I, I mean, I can't I can't fault him for that. Yeah. I mean. Uh, An Emmy is better than, you know, cutting up a vegetable, but...
0: I wonder how you get to that point where you're just so arrogant. You're like, I'm not going to cut a pepper. Like, Right. Those I don't like those people. Yeah. They usually get there later on in life. Like, yeah. Where no I mean, one cares what they say. You
1: know, the thing is, the guy had been a war correspondent. He'd been in front of gunfire. <laughs> cutting up a pepper in front of people should not have been this traumatic experience.
0: He's been out of war too long. He's uh. Maybe
1: I should have just shot at
0: <laughs> that CBS check. Makes you <laughs> makes you soft.
1: Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's why. And I got a call from my agent later saying you will never again appear on CBS <laughs> television.
0: There's there's ABC, NBC. Yeah, mm-hmm. work uh, it out.
1: Cable outlets, YouTube. Yeah.
0: Have you been on TV since?
1: Not since. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Were you nervous at the time that that affected your career at all?
1: Um. No, I was just mad. Okay. Um, And if you're going to ask what lesson did I learn, (laughs) I have no regrets whatsoever. Screw that guy. Hey,
0: What was his name?
1: Uh, I think it was Charlie Smith.
0: Screw Charlie Smith.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was there to do a job. I had a shot. I had national television, and all of a sudden he decided to, as I said, be a weenie and not help out.
0: Weenie's not a bad word, is it?
1: I don't think so. Well, you can air that. Yeah.
0: I wonder why they had such a problem with it then.
1: I don't know. Um, but, yeah, calling the host of the premier television morning show a weenie uh, is apparently a bad
0: idea. They don't, they don't like things like that. So we're about to get to our uh, next segment called Unsolicited Advice. All right. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you an article. And I want you to give advice based off that. And they're not asking you for your advice at all, but we're going to give it to them. They're (laughs) out there listening. All right. So, y'all, this is a segment called Unsolicited Advice. I want to say that we were not asked in any way for our advice, but we give it anyway. Uh, This is called How Do I Break It to My Wife That I've Been Cheating at Will of Fortune? I brought this to you because you're married, and so maybe you would know, Um, because this is divorce-worthy to me. Um, My wife and I are retired and live in the Southwest. We faithfully watch the popular game show Wheel of Fortune every night after supper. I found out about a month ago that the show was on air an, uh, an hour earlier in the Midwest, so I decided to have a friend of mine text me the answers prior to us watching it. My wife and I are very competitive regarding who can come up with the correct answers first. Of course, I get them all right quite quickly. At first, she was kind of amazed, but now is getting serious. Some of my friends back home know what I'm doing, and I'm sure someone will tell her. How can I get out of this situation before she finds out from someone else? She will be very, very pissed.
1: Wow. Okay. <sighs> My wife and I do something similar. Okay, we do the word jumble every mor- morning in the newspaper, um, and it's a game between us because we don't use pencils or pens. You have to do it in your head, um, and we're both pretty good at it. But if I occasionally, if I get stuck, there's a thing called the Internet Anagram Server, <laughs> and I will go look it up and then pretend that I actually got the answer. But, no, you you can't keep this up, dude. Um, (laughs) This is not sustainable. My advice to you would be, as best you can, if your wife has a sense of humor, turn it into a joke. (laughs) And just tell her, oh, honey, I've been been fooling you this whole time. I thought it would be funny. Now it's turned a little serious. I'm sorry. But I thought it would be... a laugh just to get the answers ahead of time and just beat you at it and, th- and then eventually tell you. And so now I feel like I have to tell you.
0: <laughs> so lie, basically. Um, Spin it. Spin it. <laughs> That's the PR in you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Spin it a little bit. Uh, Don't lie. I mean,
1: <laughs> come clean and say what you've been doing, but... Yeah, put a little twist on it.
0: Do you and your wife use y'all's PR techniques on each other?
1: Yes, we do. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. But that's the, the hard part is that we're both really good at it. And so we're like, yeah, that's not working on me. I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> that make, what advice do you give to your kids about lying then? Like if you're telling this uh, this lad to spin it, like, what advice did you give your kid? Like, it's okay to spend something if you've messed up. Or,
1: um, Okay. Uh, I have two kids. Okay. Uh, they're very, very, very different. And all kids are. And you can't treat them the same. Um, and these are my stepkids, I have to say. Um, my stepson, Jack, is the most laid-back character on earth. I mean, he's just... He's an interesting guy, he's an industrial designer, Um, and one of the books I'm working on this year, The Dinners for Beginners, is when he would call me and say, Chad, I've got a girl coming over, you know, what do I make for her? And I realized I had not taught him to cook (laughs) properly with cheap ingredients and limited equipment. Um, With him, he's just, he's so relaxed that I don't think he could lie to anybody. But he knows that every situation has different facets to it. And so sometimes you need to accentuate one facet more than the other. Um, My stepdaughter, Sarah, works for a nonprofit organization that empowers women. Uh, She has a theological degree. I'm not going to give her advice on lying. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just going nowhere because she's not spinning it. She just – she is straight up front. She'd
0: tell and, the truth.
1: Yeah, and and if you don't like it, tough. <laughs> Even to me and my wife.
0: <laughs> that's good, though. Like, they uh, – you, do you see that they got qualities from you or, like, bits and pieces from you yeah, and your I wife?
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um Hopefully they got more from Lisa than they did from <laughs> me, but uh, yeah, you got
0: some good qualities, man. You're a writer. You know, you you have the skills of a House of Cards guy, <laughs> Kevin Spacey. Oh, well, oh, never mind. Ooh, no, my ooh, nope, nope. Rewind. <laughs> 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 Might have to edit that part out. Um, but okay, so you have, do you feel like you uh, have given your your story your your advice lessons?
1: Yeah, um, as best I can. The thing is, these kids are both so great that I don't feel like I have to give them a whole lot of advice uh, and like unsolicited advice here. Uh, sometimes they get it without wanting it. <laughs> um, but no, they're both pretty wonderful. This is not one of those things where I'm going to have to straighten that boy out. I mean, I just... It's... It is a weird problem to have when your children turn out to be better people than you
0: are. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, you're pretty good. They must be great. So, uh, so if I, if I uh, wanted to, well, you're, we're into our next segment now. Um, I want you to uh, give, give your speech. Like if you were on stage in front of a high school or middle school or whatever, and you had to give your life speech, your motivational speech, I want you to do that. I'm going to put about a minute and a half on the clock. All right. And uh, you're going to become Chad Ward, the motivational speaker, unless you were going under a alias. Would you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can give you my motivational speech.
0: All right, you're going to hear the music start, and then that's when you go. All right.
1: In the late 80s, through a series of um, job mishaps, I found myself the PR guy for a heavy metal band called Mr. Nice Guy. They were doing this big showcase. I had to rent them a snake. I mean, not a an electrical snake, a real snake. It was a nine-foot python named Amelia. And for the closing number, we raped it we draped it around the lead singer's neck, and. The snake was cool. This was a deeply relaxed snake until the pyrotechnics went off. And snakes don't like fire and explosions and it started to coil itself around the lead singer's neck. And this is the most rock and roll thing you will ever hear. His first thought was, if I can finish the song, it will look like part of the show. And so he sang all the way down as the snake choked him out. And then we had to cut the lights and me and the snake handler had to go out and wrestle the snake off of him. So if there is a life lesson, it is go down singing. Fake it until you choke out.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> when you when you first started I was like, "Where is he going with this story?" <laughs> that I want to hear more about this you, like, this is actually a yeah. true story. It is a true story. He kept playing. Yeah. <laughs> as he was being choked out.
1: Yep. <laughs> he he sang all the way down. And their closing number was No More Mr. Nice Guy, Alice Cooper, which is why we had the snake. And, yeah, he went down and No More Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> and that's when we cut the lights. And, yeah, I had to run out there and. It took two two hundred pound guys to unwrap this snake. Forever. Snakes are strong. Yeah, they're ridiculously <laughs> strong. <laughs> oh
0: man! And yeah,
1: go down singing.
0: Go go down, no matter what. Go down fighting. Go down singing, giving your all. Yeah. Wow. Even if a snake is wrapped around your neck. <laughs> <laughs> so, anything you want to promote. Well,
1: No, my improv team, Holodeck, um, is playing around town. If you happen to see uh, social media advertisements for the team Holodeck, we're pretty good. Uh, Fun to watch. Um, I've got three books coming up this year. Um, uh, As I said, one of them is, and oh God, I'm in Carborough, aren't I? (laughs) I shouldn't say this. One of them is on The Art of High-Speed Precision Shooting. Uh, You can say it. The other is uh, dinners for beginners, which is 25 recipes that are date worthy for um, people who have limited budgets, limited kitchen space and limited equipment, um, where you can whip up something that you wouldn't mind serving to someone that you are romantically interested in. And the other is a cheesy thriller that you would buy in an airport and throw away in another airport.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. And yeah, you can always say whatever you want on this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I'm a moderate with a lot of things, I think we need a little bit of both sides to come together. And so, just drawing in the sand, all guns are bad, or it's just it's not going to get do anything. It's not going to get anything done. We have to meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah, That's, absolutely. But as long as people are ears are off to any other perspective it's just you have to not you have to be able to see it from the other side like some people love their guns so as much as you hate them they feel the same they feel just as strongly so got to be able to talk absolutely exactly um but th- that is coming to the end of the podcast unless you have any more motivational stuff you want to get to the, give to the <laughs> people
1: no but what have you got going on
0: oh well <clears throat> uh HS2 is always performing around the triangle uh, I am getting back into stand up. I am trying to make this podcast go well, so I've started taking it seriously. It'll be every week at five o'clock on one oh three five Womcom. If you have any mistakes that you would like to talk about, you can email me at Justin D McNeil at Gmail dot com. Again, it's Justin D McNeil at Gmail dot com. And yeah, man, I'm just getting people lined up and uh, preparing to move soon. So, oh okay. well, not soon. But I'm going moving to LA towards the end of the year. Ah,
1: yeah, man, make your dreams come true. Yeah,
0: man, I'm young. I figure why not? I don't. I'm not like in a serious relationship or anything like that.
1: And by the way, if you don't know, Justin is uh, one of the most handsome men on m- men on the planet. I do try. <coughs> I will not let my wife within twenty <laughs> feet of him.
0: <laughs> I do try. Uh, But no, that's pretty much it, man. Uh, Thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. We really appreciate it. If anyone asks you how the podcast went, you know, they're like, hey, should I be on it? Tell them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But now we're going to play the outro music. And uh, thank you again. We'll be on every week at 103.5 FM WOMCOM at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening in.